In 2018, modest clothing has taken the world, and more specifically, it has become part of the Western mainstream. Supermodel Ikram Abdi Omar walked from Molly Goldard wearing a hijab at the 2018 London Fashion Week. Many brands like Nike, Macy's, Uniqlo, and Burberry have also jumped on the bandwagon. The latest Global Islamic Economy report showed that globally, consumers spent $44 billion on modest clothing items alone in 2016. Before all of this, before companies were trying to get a cut of this multi-billion dollar industry, in 2013, our guest, Widad Amiri, was just trying to find something fashionable and affordable to wear. My name is Widad Amiri, and I'm the founder of a clothing line here in Edmonton called Afletis Hijab. In this episode, we learn about how Widad went from being a government employee to a designer and founder of her own company. We also talk about what modest clothing is, about her walk in the 2018 Marca New York Fashion Week, her newest clothing line, and how she uses her company as a platform to empower women and destigmatize mental illness. Also, if you listen long enough, you might be lucky enough to hear Widad do some singing, so stick around. This is Postacle Chronicles, and I'm your host, Matt Falk. Thank you so much for coming, especially when it's so cold and so hard. Thank you for having to me. To find uh, parking. Do you ever feel, uh, get pressured to dress really well or like if people are judging you, especially if you're going to like fashion events? Ever since I started Aflatus, I feel like people think mm-hmm. that I should be dressing in a certain way. So sometimes I'm like, when I'm going to an event, I'm like, whatever, I'm just wearing whatever. And everyone's like, oh, yes, <laughs> I see. I'm like, no, <laughs> this is garbage. But, um, but no, I do feel sometimes the pressure to look a certain way ever since I've started my clothing line. Um, when you were younger, did you have any phases of fashion that you like really regret today? Yeah, um, high school. Yeah. I thought I was Tupac or Biggie. It was either like depend depend on what like semester I was in. I had a fascination with tracksuits. Yeah. So like, what kind of color tracksuits were we talking like they, about? I always say it wrong, but is it Puma or Puma? I have no clue. I've heard both. I've heard both. I'm going to say Puma. Okay, that yeah. sounds like pubic. <laughs> so I'll say Puma. <laughs> um, yeah. But honestly, I just was so obsessed with it. And yeah. I had every color, like, and every shoe. And yeah, that was my biggest regret. <laughs> so, I hated that. So if we were went back in time and saw you in high school, um, younger we did, like a yeah. teen we did, it'd be like an orange tracksuit? Like no, 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 no. They were still nice. They were oh, like, nice, nice. yeah, yeah, okay. not like obnoxious, <laughs> but like I had Kappa. Yes, shout out to Kappa. It's coming back in style. Uh, Puma, Adidas. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just thought I was the coolest. You thought I was, like, if you looked at me, you thought like I honestly was either a drug dealer, like some sort of runner mm-hmm. or super athletic. Mm. I was athletic, but not a drug dealer. Drug dealer. <laughs> not a drug dealer. No, not right now. <laughs> to all the police out there, please. Yeah. It wasn't me. I know why I leaned in. But yeah, no, I, I don't know what, what it was. Mm-hmm. And then near the end of grade 12, because I liked fashion a lot in elementary, junior high. Mm-hmm. High school, I think I just didn't know where I fit in into my high school. Mm-hmm. So I just did, like, I just wore jogging pants and sweats for like two years. 
And then high school, grade 12 and into university, I started experimenting a little bit more. And then it was it was really after university when I started making money, basically, mm-hmm. um, that I really started getting into being becoming more involved into different fashion looks and trends and stuff like that. So in high school, you're starting to like make money, you said? No, after oh, university. after university, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was working in the Bay making the minimum wage. Um, during this time, you were wearing a hijab, right? Yeah, I've been wearing the hijab since I was in grade four, so nine years old. Grade four. In one presentation, I recall that you said that you chose to wear it. You, you, and you actually got your mother into it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, we, um, I wasn't wearing the hijab, obviously, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And I told my mom, I want to wear it. And she's like, whoa, whoa, hold up. Like, I don't even wear it. What are you doing? She's like, wait until your ninth birthday. If you feel like you still want to wear it then, but I would need you to do all this research on it, then I'll wear it with you. I'm like, okay. So I always say, like, I had this birthday party. I had a pinata. It was lit. And then they left and I put on the hijab. And I was like, what is going on? And then I never took it off ever since then. So what was kind of the motive or, like, the motivation behind that? Uh, I just liked what it stood for. Like, it was obviously for modesty and stuff. But the other thing is, like, I got to choose what I wanted to wear. It was my choice. It was, I got to, like, choose what was on my body. And I just thought it was a cool thing to do. And I I really liked what it stood for Islamically. So, I don't know. I just thought it was, I still think it's a cool choice for myself. That's cool. Yeah, I don't really care. That's a lot of um, self-awareness for, like, a grade four. I think grade four, I was not... Thinking about anything. Like that. Yeah, you're thinking about those Pokemon cards. <laughs> yeah, me too, Charizard. But other than that, yeah, no, mm-hmm. it was. I just there's a like my parents had gotten a divorce in grade three, mm-hmm. so I was I kind of like grew up a little bit. I was always like maybe a little bit more mature, but I just thought it was the coolest thing and I wanted to wear it. And then after those you know tracksuit days uh, <laughs> of high school, yeah. you went to University of Alberta, right? I actually went to Grand McEwen. You went to Grand McEwen. I know, yeah. I totally, I totally thought you went to U of A. I did go to U of oh. A my last two years. Oh, okay. So I did the transfer program, mm-hmm. Grand McEwen for two years, and then the U of A my last two years. How come? I just was overwhelmed with the whole, like, everyone's like, oh, they have big classes, and you're going to be just a number. You're like, you know, people, you're going to be just a number. I'm like, bye. But <laughs> I went to Grand McEwen. I personally didn't like it. For myself because it just reminded me of high school but just maybe a little bit more mature when i came to the u of a it was such like it was a really cool experience it was the best times like best time of my life i loved it what, what did you study i did my bachelor of arts in i don't know why i laughed i did my <laughs> bachelor of arts in sociology and political science sociology and political science yes um I think when people usually take those, they don't see, you know, like a founder or designer of their own clothing line. Um, Were you already getting involved back in university into designing your own? No, I just like I just followed the rules, like go to school, go to junior high or like do well in junior high so you can get into your good core classes in high school, do good in high school to get into university do good in university, get a job with the city or the government. And that's exactly literally how my life went. And so I didn't think of ever doing, having my own business, but I did work for the city of St. Albert for almost seven years. And then around 2014, 2013, I started having this idea. I was getting frustrated that I couldn't find anything that I could wear to weddings and engagements because we have so many of them. So if I was going to get a dress, like a maxi dress, like a long dress, it didn't have sleeves. 
So I would have to go get alterations to have sleeves on it, take it in, hem it, and it would cost, like, the last time I bought a dress, like a fancy dress to a wedding, and I was like, I'm done with this. It was $500 for the dress, another $200 for alterations. It was $700. I was so annoyed. I didn't even want to go to the wedding. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just create my own line. And it was just an idea that kind of became what it is now. So it cost $700 per every wedding. And like, I think usually when people hit like, like past their 20s, like, um, it's like a wedding like every week, right? (laughs) Well, we, it wasn't $700 per wedding, but it was either wear like a pantsuit or wear like an expensive dress and just get it altered because back then modest fashion wasn't really a thing now you look at all the stores modest fashion is like a bit like what was that 300 billion dollar industry everybody wants it you look at these big campaigns like dkny you look at macy's they all have an incorporation of modesty because there's a huge demand for it so right now if i was 14 shopping in stores it would be a lot easier to get what i needed because you can find a lot of long sleeve dresses and maxi or skirts, long skirts. And I wanted it to be not so flashy either. I just wanted them simple where you can add on or like make them less fancy. So that's why they're pretty simple, like simple designs, but they're still elegant enough to wear to a wedding or engagement. Your company, Affiliate uh, Hijab, was before this kind of craze, right? For modest clothing, before it exploded. Does it anger you? But like when, you know, seeing all these big companies jump on this bandwagon and... Um, yeah, uh, well, like, for example, like Nike actually really annoys me. Okay, yeah. Um, because there are so many smaller Muslim companies that were making hijabs for athletic wear and all of that stuff. And all of a sudden, a big corporation like Nike comes in and capitalizes on Muslim women. And the world's like, whoa, I can't believe they're doing so many great things for Muslim women. It's like, no, we've already done that for many years. But now a bigger corporation is taking over. And and I see it's kind of getting harder for Aflatus because I'm now fighting, not fighting, but going against these big companies that are streamlining modest fashion. On the other hand, it's really cool to see that there's more representation of Muslim women who wear hijab, but it's harder for businesses like mine to kind of compete with them. Not that I'm competing with them because I'm not, but there's just so much competition everywhere with with bigger uh, corporations and uh, smaller businesses like mine. Backtracking a bit before, yes. you know, today, this explosion of modest clothing. Um, can you explain the name behind this? Yeah. Um, so, Aflatus, nobody knows how to pronounce, but you did a really good job. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. I'll hire you. Thank you. One day. Not right now. But um, it means a sudden divine rush of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And really how I got it is I Googled hipster business names, and that's what happened. That's the truth. That sounds great. Um, I can't wait until you hire me, and then we could go to war with Nike. War, war, don't use those words. I wear hijab, war, bomb, okay, like, right, yeah, okay. anything okay. to do with missiles, just keep me out of it. Got it. Um, back when you were starting, what year was this? Well, the idea started in 2013, and then the it came to life really in 2014. So you went to school for sociology and political science. Mm-hmm. How did you learn to make any of this? Like, 
So I don't actually make the pieces. Okay, yeah. I, I design them and then manufacture them. How did you come to designing? That's still, I mean... I just have an idea, a picture. Um, I'll draw it out and I'll send it to my seamstress. This is what I want. She'll make me a sample. I pick the fabrics and everything and she sends me the sample. I check it out. If the sample's good, I will then say proceed to make the bulk of the pieces. So basically... There was a need, yeah. and I needed long sleeve dresses and maxi dresses. That's how it happened. My job, I actually worked with youth talking about mental health and team building, character education. I worked with kindergarten to grade 12. Um, and that was really cool. It was a really cool job. But it just, the more I did it, the more repetitive it kind of got, and the more, you know, you kind of almost become so good at it that you don't, you, it doesn't like, challenge you yeah it, there was zero challenge anymore so i need something else and again the lack of clothing options for myself i decided okay well screw this i'm gonna just do my own and that's kind of how it started and it was just kind of an idea i didn't really anticipate any of this to happen but it did at what point did you feel like okay i can quit my full-time job and do this what was the jumping point last year like a year and a half ago. So I quit my job in October of 2017. I was just like, I could not keep up. So I also got married in July of 2017. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I expect a wedding gift. Um, I don't know why I sang that. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Max. So I got married in July and then I went back to work and I was just like, yeah this is just not working for me anymore. And I could not keep up with Aflatus. So my online orders plus people wanting to come see the dresses in person or whatever, I was burnt out. And so my husband's like, why don't you just quit your job and focus on Aflatus full time? And I was like, wait a second. I don't know about that. I'm very structured and I'm very black and white. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to quit my City paint like immigrants love like my family. The best thing is a government or city job. So I was like, how am I gonna tell my grandpa I'm quitting right. my job? You have insurance. You yeah, have a pension. pension. Yeah. yeah, they love pensions, <laughs> benefits. So I was like, wait a second. Like I can't get these massages anymore. What am I get? Like, do I quit or do I stick with the massages? Right. Really hard decision. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, like once you get a government or city job, you, you keep it for the rest of your life. But I just, I'm like, I can't work here for the next 30 years of my life. I, I personally just couldn't do it. I'm like, I feel like I'm wasting my life. And so I decided to quit. Before you quit, I believe you held a fashion show. Was that your first fashion show? Was that before or after? No, I ha like I had so many events happen oh. while I was working. And oh, again, it gosh. was really hard. Yeah. So 2014, I don't know, in 2015, I took a few breaks. Um, yeah, and then I did, and then I didn't do any more fashion shows, but I had a lot of my lines launching. The last event I did, like a big event, was at the Art of Cake. It was in February of 2018. And so then my next new show will be in January. So in this coming month. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. This upcoming month. Yes, upcoming month. Okay. And where is that happening? Do you know yet? I have an idea, but okay. I haven't yeah. 
booked yet, but yeah, it's right. going to be a cool space. It's a new one in Edmonton, and I'm really cool. excited. That's very exciting. Um, but that's also uh, kind of insane. So part-time, you were running a fashion show, delivering, sending out packages, mm-hmm. like clothing lines. That's crazy. Like, can you talk about that chaos a bit? Well, so it was funny because when people asked me, I was using um, a website, like a website holder, what do they call it? Like a like, you know, Shopify Square, yeah, what, yeah. what is like that a called? a hosting? A hosting, yeah. yeah. So the first couple years, my online um, package, like my online, whatever it's called, wasn't doing that well. I was with Squarespace. And so my cousin's husband's like, what are you using for your website? I'm like, Squarespace. He's like, no, if you're running e-commerce, switch to Shopify. And I'm like, Shopify no I'm cool I know how to use Squarespace I don't want to do it and he's like no 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 you need to use Shopify he's like I'll switch it over for you I'm like whatever okay but I'm again if I like doing something one way I'm which is so bad I don't like changing but I need to so he did that and because it was such a way easier checkout for customers and way cheaper my online sales were like I've never seen that happen. It was like no activity to I can't keep up activity. You know what I mean? What kind of activity, like if you can talk about numbers at all, like what would that look like? Like it was... Like that peak. Like It was a bit like nobody was buying online. Yeah. It was very, like the first couple of years, it wasn't so much because I had a fixed rate of 20 bucks, whether you're in Edmonton or Venezuela. Right. I don't know how to fix it. So these are like behind the scenes, I guess, of a flatus that nobody knows about. But then when I fixed it with Shopify, it was like, and I'm not, this is not an advertisement. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not sponsored. Sponsor me. <laughs> Sorry, Nike. Um, <laughs> but it was like totally different. You know what I mean? So I couldn't keep up with putting the packages in, getting the labels ready, and then dropping them off while I had to go to work. I became so overwhelmed. I'm like, I can't keep up so I had to make a decision and that was either continue to work full-time and a flatus will coast or try my best to make a flatus be way more well-known this year than it has ever and quit my job first like back you know when you're starting out it was more local but now you're shipping globally and then you were also invited to new york how did that feel like being invited to i think it was like the marca yeah new york fashion week wow somebody did his research is that how you pronounce that (laughs) yeah okay thank you yeah (laughs) um how did did it feel like how was the weirdest thing ever i don't know how to (laughs) explain it like i'm not even gonna lie i was like what is going on with my life the last six months so the first six months that I took off for work, like when I quit my job, it was a lot of hustling behind the scenes. The last six months has been the, a lot of exposure for myself. So it was like I was on every news station and then then the New York thing happened. They messaged me after the mental health campaign happened. They're like, we want you there. I was like, me? Like, I don't know. Nah, I'm just from Edmonton, Northside. Like, what do I know? But... I went, it was like, it was such a crazy experience. It was the coolest thing. It was so much fun. And something that I wouldn't have ever been able to do unless I had that opportunity. 
yeah, so yeah. it was just wild. Can you talk a bit about uh, what happened, the process? So they messaged you, and then they gave you some dates, and then they flew you out? No, so you have to pay oh, for it yeah. still, right? Um, so they're like, we want you to be part of it. These are the dates. And I'm like, okay. I was like, whoa, this is so cool. I thought about it for like 48 hours. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, I'm not going. My husband's like, why? Go. This is a cool. I'm like, no. No, 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 I'm not doing this because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, there's going to be way like bigger people there. I'm just a flatus from the north side. That's what I kept saying. And they're like, I know, it's like Jenny from the block. Like, who do I think I am, right? I used to have a little now. I don't have a lot. But so I was like, I'm not doing it. So I called the, I messaged the lady that was in contact with me. I said, thank you so much for the opportunity but I'm not going to do it. Maybe I'll come down to New York to see how it all is. And then maybe next year I could do it. She sent me a long message back, mm -hmm. basically saying like, I'm disappointed in your choice. And she's like, because I think she wrote like, obviously it sounds, sounded way better, but like, she's like, you, you can do it. She's like, if you keep backing out on all these opportunities, you're never going to be successful. She's like, whatever you need, we're going to be here for you. So just come, everything will be taken care of. Trust me, this is a huge opportunity for you. I'm like, let me think about it. Thought about it, I thought about it. And I'm like this, you know what? This is good. This is a crazy opportunity for me. So I decided to do it. And that's kind of what happened. And then I went and I had to pick my models I'm like, what is going on? I don't even understand. So she's like, you go up to a model and you pick them. I'm like, oh, this seems so weird. But I'm like, okay, young girl, can you come model for me? <laughs> she's like, I'm busy. I'm modeling for Tom Ford tomorrow. I'm like, okay, I'm not on that level. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so whatever. I picked my models. Yeah. My show was the, there's two show, two days for different shows. My show was the next day. I came back. Out of the eight looks I had, I think only two models showed up. Mm -hmm. Everybody ditched me. I was like, okay. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to freak out. There was a bunch of other models that were coming for casting. So I just picked a bunch of new ones. They hyped me up. I was so nervous. Again, no clue what I'm doing. And I'm like, I don't even want to walk at the end. They're like, you have to walk. They're like, we'll hold your hand. I was like, okay. So a lot of people were like, why was somebody holding your hand? I'm like, don't even talk to me. I'm like, I was so nervous, but it turned out to be one of the best experiences of my life. And I'm so happy that I did it. And I wasn't, I didn't say no because I was like scared of failing. When you were there, were there like a lot of other big names there? Like, did you talk to the other people who own other clothing lines or designers? How was that like? Yeah, there's like, Ibtihaj Muhammad is an Olympian and she's a well-known within the Muslim community, but within the community at large, she's like Nike's model, basically. Um, she's huge. And I didn't really talk to her, but that was a big name. If you could talk to yourself back in 2012 right now, mm -hmm. if you could go back in time, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to yourself? Oh my God. I get so many people ask me like, oh, what would you do? Like, how do you run a business? What I would do is make sure I had professional pictures with my clothing line. I just, my first line, I just forced my sister to wear the new pieces and we took pictures in front of like my mom's truck. <laughs> what? <laughs> so ghetto. Um, so professional pictures, have a good uh, layout on Instagram. 
use Shopify from day one because it has just better shipping and everything, better checkout. Um, and just have good branding. Like, I didn't know any of this stuff, right? So I was just kind of like coasting. But what I think makes my brand a little different than all the other ones, at least in Edmonton, is there's like a message behind my brand and it relates to a lot of people. And it's not, I'm not here to just make money, but I also really want to like end some certain stereotypes and stigma around whether it's mental health or indigenous women or women in general, Muslim women. Um, that's where I kind of, differ from a lot of these brands. There is a social cause behind my clothing. Some of the pieces specifically are named after women. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so uh, I'd say like about a year and a half in, I started naming them after strong Muslim women because I really wanted to change this perception of how women, Muslim women were seen in society and in the media because in the media, it's the same thing. They show the same image. It's like, you know, like... The ladies in Afghanistan on that wear like the burqa, they're like doing on the monkey bars, like training. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just yeah, like so, yeah. like CNN, Fox News propaganda. Yeah. So they don't have an idea of what a Muslim woman actually is. They're funny. They're smart. They're intelligent. That's another word for smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? Um, they're doing great things in society, but people don't really talk about it. Like, for example, the first university in the world was built in Fez, Morocco by two Muslim women. Nobody knows that. Why don't people know that? Because we don't really talk about it because we're focused on the negative aspects of Muslim women that, oh, they're oppressed, they have no rights, their, husband con their husbands control them. When I don't know anybody like that in my circle or at all, really, to be honest. Does it happen? Of course. But does it happen with every culture and every religion? Absolutely. I, d I was in St. Albert, in the most Caucasian suburb of Alberta, basically. Mm -hmm. These issues were happening with the youth and their parents. This is not a new phenomenon. This is not specific to one culture or one religion. So I really wanted to do that. Then I thought to myself, well, why would I only focus on Muslim women? Why not women in general? I think the indigenous culture is a beautiful culture that nobody really talks about, and they also have a lot of negative stereotypes. So I named them after strong indigenous women, and we had one of the girls who actually goes to the U of A. Her name's Kiona, and she was the face of our last campaign, or not our last campaign, that campaign, and we named them after strong indigenous women that are doing cool things in society. This... Last line was named after women dealing with mental illness. I really wanted to like talk about that. That was a huge campaign. Started a lot of conversation, especially in my community. I really wanted to talk about that because there's a lot of people suffering in silence. Again, regardless of skin color, religion, socioeconomic background, but we just don't talk about it because it's such a huge taboo. So I really wanted to let people know like you can get help. The new line, since this is airing in February, Nobody knows this top secret alert. Um, I'm naming them after single moms. So I think sometimes people don't realize the struggles single moms go through, whether it was through divorce, whether it was through death or whatever it may be. It's a lot of work. And my mom will be the face of that campaign. So every line is a different mm -hmm. line with different topics that people don't talk about. 
You know what I mean? We only usually talk about like positive things like, oh, but in reality, these are real issues that are affecting real people that I think if they share their stories, it will allow people to know that they're not alone. And with our mental health campaign, we help so many people get help, go seek counseling, put themselves in, um, not rehab, but like addiction groups or whatever. It was amazing and people leaning on other people. So that's the whole point of Aflatus is connecting people and letting people know they're not alone. I would definitely rather, if I was buying any piece of clothing, give the money to, you know, Aflatus job rather than Nike. Um, I would love that. <laughs> uh, how did you choose these women? Did you, or like even the process, did you interview them? Did you, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, so the Muslim women one, I just, there are ones I found on Google, basically. The indigenous one, most of them I found on Google, and if not, uh, the two that I knew, so Kiona and her mom, they sent me a little write-up. But the mental health one, I put a call out on social media. I said, if you deal with a mental illness and you're willing... No, if you're dealing with a mental illness, I don't remember how I put it, mm-hmm. and you're willing to share your story or something like that. I don't really remember, but please DM us. And I got a few DMs, and I was so surprised, to be honest, because it's still a very sensitive topic to talk about. Yeah. And so from there, I picked the people. I actually asked one person out of all of them. The rest were volunteer. And then I sent them a questionnaire not a questionnaire, like just a question, whatever, a few questions they answered and that's where the write-up comes from. So I haven't done the call-out to single moms yet, Mm -hmm. but there will be also a write-up, like, again, like the hardest thing, advice you'd give to single... Like, I haven't done it yet, but these are kind of the questions that I would ask. And then, again, it's volunteer, unless I think there's one person's story that I know in my community or wherever that should be shared, I'll ask them personally. Is there one single piece in your most recent clothing line um, while you were connecting with them that you had like a very like powerful conversation with them? There was one. I actually had to, at the end of the day, like I want to share stories, but I still need to protect people. Yeah. Um, because we are all so interconnected, especially in my community, yeah. that I don't want to put anybody at harm in harm's way. So there was one story, it was like pages, and I was reading it, and I just started crying because I was like, how is this still happening in 2018? I don't get it. But I had to talk to her. I said, I would love to share your story, but I have to take half of it out because I'm like, I'm you're, this is going to be a huge backlash to you. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, I, I don't know. It was just, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we protected her, and I took out a majority of her story out because I just don't think it would have been proper to put out just for her safety and her protection. But it, that one really, like, really tugged at my heartstrings. It's very uh, it's very interesting to hear this behind the scenes of Flatus Shirt Job. Um, thank you so much for sharing uh, with us. No problem. For those who are interested, where can they buy this? So if you do not live in Edmonton, uh, my website is www.aflatushijab.com. And if you live in Edmonton, my website is still the same, but you can book an appointment and come by and try on the pieces and buy them there. Um, or if you don't want to pay for shipping, you can also do that too. <laughs>
So the identity of Flayed as Hijab has been very closely tied with the stigmatizing mental illness. What was the inspiration? Well, actually, Flayed as social platform is women empowerment and destigmatizing mental health or mental illnesses. But I never thought talking about mental illnesses in this way was pr- like the right thing to do when I first started because I don't think the community and society was ready to talk about it. So I just would talk about like mental health in general, but there wasn't a huge campaign about it. Mm-hmm. The women empowerment stuff that covers like the Muslim women, the indigenous women, the single moms, but all of that can cause mental health issues, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. So being a single mom, you can only imagine how m- not not that it happens all the time, but maybe the amount of mental health issues someone may deal with being a new single mom, being a Muslim woman and a visible Muslim woman struggling in society because of her identity can also cause mental health issues. Being an indigenous woman, um, again, with the stigma around that, or just like the, not the stigma, that's the wrong word, just like the perception of what people think indigenous people are they have no idea can also create sometimes mental health issues they're both kind of all linked up but the single mom one it's things all of these things affect me at the end of the day so the women empowerment and the mental health stuff those are both important to me muslim women that's important to me because i'm a muslim woman who i who visibly identifies as a muslim woman i wear hijab and like being part of post 9-11, that was tricky. Going to airports, that was annoying, still is annoying. Then the whole indigenous women piece, I just think we relate to them on a, on a lot of different levels. And I love learning about indigenous people. So I wanted to bring them to the forefront. And the mental health is super important to me because I think everybody should be taking care of their mental health, even if, even if you think you're the most healthiest of the healthiest when it comes to your mental health, you should still take care of your mental health. And then single mom still relates to me because my mom's a single mom. So all of them kind of go back to me because mm-hmm. it's my brand. Yeah. <laughs> so I do whatever I want, you yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Um, if, you, if you had infinite amount of resources tomorrow oh what would you do oh my god like honestly i wish (laughs) (laughs) i wish somebody would invest in me a million dollars um what would i do honestly i'd put a huge amount of money into advertising and marketing that's like one of the major keys i think um and just i think when people get my packages it is really nice already but even that having a really great experience um i would have a space like a nice studio um hire people but for now i'm just you know just do my thing Weedad's newest clothing line launched last week at her fashion show in the Creative Hive in Edmonton. The show was sold out. She was named Edmonton's Top 40 Under 40 by Avenue Edmonton. You can buy some of her work at afflatushijab.com. So, uh, hello listeners. When I started Afflatus, it was just evening wear. 
Now I do casual wear too. So the next line is pretty cool. It's my favorite line. It's blazers, it's graphic tee, and there's one top and a dress. It's different from anything I've ever really done. So I'm really excited for that one. And the other thing I want to make clear is you don't have to be Muslim to wear my clothing. It's cool to see the increase of non-Muslims coming to my site and buying pieces. You just have to like clothes. And if you think it's your style, then you're more than welcome to buy from me. You should buy from me. Postal Chronicles is hosted and produced by me, Matt Falk. Kasun Madagadera was the co-producer for this episode. Our staff includes Alice Coombs and Rostislav Soroka. Our main theme song is called Last Energy for the Day by Loyalty Freak Music. And there are other music credits on our website. If you liked what you heard, give us a rating, share us, follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon.